0: The European mindset and the role of the Jews in leading humanity towards oppressors. The, the West is unfit for leading the world. Humanity needs new leadership. Islam, with its correct values and way of life, is the only system capable of providing leadership to humanity. How can Islam play its assigned role? Aha ha 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 of the podcast Living with the Shuruh," where we discuss in detail the book titled shuruh Commentaries and Explanations of Sayyid Khudu's Milestones. We discuss it on a weekly basis with the intent, hopefully, of finishing in a year's time. Today we continue on in the first chapter, which was titled Introduction, and we continue on into the second set of six pages. This chapter, by the way, is 24 pages long, so if you break it down into 6 pages each we will be able to finish it in 4 episodes. The first subset of this chapter is titled The European Mindset and the Role of the Jews in Leading Humanity Towards the Precipice. Now this was a this was a very long and detailed subsection. I would greatly recommend that you read it, reread it, try to look at what you know about human history and see if you can trace that path, especially the European history as it emerged from the Dark Ages, as it went through the Renaissance, as it went through the Cultural Revolution, and finally um, their elimination of the Church. What I would like to highlight are a few key things in this section. The first one is actually the quote, the animalization of human beings. Now that's not a phrase you see every day. This is a very important concept that we need to look at. What does it mean to turn human beings into animals, the animalization of human beings? This is because as we talked in the previous episode, we talked about values and their importance in life, their importance in raising and and dignifying the human person, the human experience to lofty levels. This is because Allah intended for mankind to be his honored representatives on earth. Allah said, I want a representative, a vice regent on earth for me. But because of our own weaknesses, our own nafs and the shaitan, we persistently want to wallow in the mud, so to speak. We We don't want to be elevated and raised to our best versions of ourselves. This animalization as I said earlier, throughout European history was a directive pursued by societies, both the intellectuals and the thinkers under the guise of Darwinism and by the masses as they chased after their earthly desires. There's a connection between evolutionary theory and the fall of the church. One only needs to look at history to realize how the rise of one directly led to the collapse of the other this is not, of course, this is not a history podcast. We don't want to go into too many details. But any reader of European history knows how heavy the yoke of the church was on the backs of the Europeans. Europe, at the beginning of the Renaissance and afterwards, was desperately looking for a way to rid itself of the church's oppression. This was offered by evolutionary theory. It provided the outlet by eliminating God himself from the equation, therefore completely undermining the authority of the church. Since the church was leaning on God's words and saying we are the representatives of God on earth and we know what's right for people and what's wrong for people. But then since they abused it so heavily, Europeans were smart by saying, well, what if God doesn't exist? Now what is your crutch? What is the church going to use as authority? Nothing. Unfortunately, this was not due to the pure genius of the Europeans themselves. This was not the initial intent of the revolutionaries. They just wanted to eliminate the Catholic Church as a construct. They were against the Catholic Church, and that's proven by Martin Luther's work with the Protestantism, the various anti-Catholic movements throughout Europe, prominently in Germany, and the movement of society itself and the people away from the confines of the Catholic Church dictates so the revolutionaries just wanted to eliminate the Catholic Church as a construct they did not want to eliminate religion itself, but as described in this subchapter, there was an effort by the enemies of humanity into stripping Europeans from all religiosity. This is because they pushed they pushed evolutionary theory to impossible conclusions, and they argued that man. Is just an animal, and as such, because he is just an animal, he has no need for higher, lofty, elevated human values. And this, and this, is how we ended up with where we are today. This is why we must work to purify this world, to rid it of jahiliyyah, to elevate mankind once again to its proper place in the world as the representatives of Allah on earth. Because the return of these values is absolutely necessary for mankind to deserve the distinction above all other creatures, above all animals. The second section is titled, The West is unfit for leading the world. Humanity needs new leadership. In this section, we again look at the missing values, but from a different perspective. We look at which values are we talking about? That's the question that this subchapter tries to answer. These values are not the ones that are positive, but inherent in European culture. Europeans are amazing with their industriousness, with their productivity, with their, you know, lines, you know, at the post office, queues at the bank, orderliness, and so on and so forth. This is inherent in European culture because of the way that continent Has developed throughout history. These are positive values, but these are not the values we're talking about. We're also clearly not talking about the negative values such as total and absolute liberalism, hedonism, or individualism and all that it leads to of the disintegration of society and culture. No, the missing values, the vital values, are the ones that are essential for a quote, harmonious human nature, a positive and constructive one. These values are missing all across the globe. I want to stress that. This is not an indictment of just Europe. These values are missing all across the world. These values are actually missing in the so-called Islamic world as well. We should not be fooled by the claims of the so-called Muslims, who still, despite claiming to be Muslims, disregard the Islamic values as outlined by Allah. The next section is titled, Islam with its correct values and way of life is the only system capable of providing leadership to humanity. Islam views mankind's role on earth as a developer. As a developer, as an enhancer, as an entity that is supposed to leave the world in a better place than when he came. Based on this, Islam inarguably promotes material progress. But it also does not neglect the human needs of mankind. When it's promoting material progress, Islam will take the best that Europe had to offer. It'll take the best that the Far East had to offer. It'll take the best that any civilization had to offer through the course of history. In terms of the material best, I mean the technological and scientific advancements that we talked about. Islam will take all that and run with it. But it will not neglect the human needs of mankind. It will not neglect the need for of mankind for lofty values and its appreciation. Mankind's appreciation for the characteristics that distinguish man from animal. This is a very important point to look at. Islam takes both halves of the shell, so to speak. It looks at both sides of the coin, so to speak. It doesn't look at one wing and say, well, this wing is strong enough to lift us. Let's fly with one wing, our technological and scientific wing, and try to stay aloft as long as we can. No, Islam will say, well, what about the other wing? What about the other side of the coin? What about the other half of the shell? What about the values that we talked about? What about the characteristics that raise man from animal? What about those? Those need to be strengthened and promoted and developed just as much as the other wing, or the other shell, the other face of the coin needs development and nurturing and so on. Because mankind's role on earth, again, is a developer, is an enhancer, is a cultivator. The interesting point mentioned here in this subchapter was the schizophrenia of the formerly Islamic world. We will talk about this in other sections in the book, but here the idea was brought up that the people that live, the nations that currently reside in the formerly Islamic world, there's a schizophrenia, there's a clear schizophrenia between what they claim and what their reality is. One only needs to travel. And if you have ever been to any of the so-called Islamic countries, from the far east to the far west, from the far north to the farthest southern tip of Islam's dominance previously, you will see that the people there, although they have Muslim names, although they have some Islamic rituals, their reality is very different from the full reality and environment that Islam has to offer. The final subchapter in this section is titled, How Can Islam Play Its Assigned Role? So how can Islam work towards reviving or re-establishing a society, a nation, a culture, a civilization that flies with both wings? This is by active efforts. This is by a living movement, by a group of people, a collection of people that come together and say, we want to re-establish Islam once again. They begin practicing Islam within themselves, among each other. They slowly grow. They become a practicing society a practicing community, and then that society and community eventually grows and becomes a Muslim nation. There's a very valuable quote in this subchapter that says, humanity wants to see action. That is really what the 21st and the 20th century have taught us, that people and mankind will not follow a theory. They want practical evidence that this is so-and-so and this works. And here is the proof. We've done it and it worked for us. Humanity needs to see a collection of people, like we just said, a movement, a society, and then eventually a nation that is practicing Islam individually and collectively before humanity sees the necessity of Islam to reign supreme once again. So this is very important. We need to show proof. We need to actually live what we call for. We need to live Islam. Now, are there any parts of the world today that are actually actively practicing Islam? To answer that question, Islam defines the Muslim nation as quote, A people whose life, thoughts, situations, systems, and values arise from the Islamic way. This nation, with these characteristics, is no longer in existence on earth today after the disappearance of the governing law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the whole globe. I think that answers the question. We don't see people whose lives, thoughts, situations, systems, and values arise from Islam. We don't see nations like that anymore. This is clearly a sign that Islam does not exist on earth like the way it used to and the way it's supposed to. And because of this, we must start from scratch once again. We don't have a platform to jump off of anymore. We have to start from square one. We have to build the foundations all over again. From the individual level, to the living movement, to the practicing society and community, and finally, God willing, to entire Muslim nation. All feedback is greatly appreciated. Please email me at my email, college.mohamud at gmail.com. This is K H A L I D, as in David. Dot M as Mary. O H A M as in Mary. O-O-D-S and David at gmail.com. I'm also available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.